RHD 107.9 Life FM. James here with you. Hope you're having a wonderful evening. Denisha Stavropoulos. Do I say that right? Stavropoulos. Stavropoulos. You're close. I was pretty close. I'll give that to you. And when you uh, won the award for the uh, ArchD Female Announcer of the Year Senior this year, I got your name right on the trophy. Yes. It was fantastic. I was so impressed with that when I read it. That was like my first thing. I was like, oh my God, my name's spelled right. I know. And I, I, was, I was more taken aback by the fact that people actually did it wrong. Um, really? All the time Because we used to have a U in it And then before my um, grandpa passed away He took it out Like I don't know why It just oh, is beyond me So he and changed Apparently yeah. that happened with Waleed Ali as well They changed It was Did A-L-I they? But when they moved over uh, to Australia They changed it to A-L-Y Because they thought people would be able to spell it easier I saw it on the project the other night Oh, okay Well, you know Each to their own Absolutely My name's spelled differently Everyone spells it with a H But it's not So, you know, that's cool Den- Denisha Yeah Really? Yeah. Everyone spells it D-E-N-I-S-H-A. Okay. I don't, but I think it's because you say Denisha, but it's not with that. Mm. I don't know. Georgia Cooper, who's also a favourite um, announcer here on RHD as well, when I first mentioned that you had done the show, yeah. and I'd said, oh, we had a fantastic announcer from your school. You probably know her. Denisha. She says, who? <laughs> Denisha. And I was like, I said, you know, you know, from your school, you know, Denisha. She goes, oh, Denisha. <laughs> Like, that wasn't so different. You seriously left me hanging out there for that one. Do you know what, though? Everyone, when I first went to that school, I was called, like, four different names. It was Denisia, Denisia, Denisha, De- I don't even, Denish, Denish, I don't know. Denisha. Den- you know, <laughs> That's some, taken it way left field. I got field. some weird names, but I was like, look, guys. It's Denisha. That's the name. Yeah. That's how we're going with it. Okay. That's, that's really wonderful. Well, it's yeah. great to have you back on. I'm glad we got all that sorted out. <laughs> sorted out. That we've moved past your name. That's yep. great. That's really, really wonderful. we got so much on today. This is amazing. We need to talk in a little bit, though, Denisha. Okay. About your cat. All right. We've yes. been talking about your cat. Yes. This, I have never ever heard of someone who has such a tenuous yeah. personal relationship with their cat <laughs> and feels that they get favoritism treatment yeah. in their own family yeah. that sounds yeah. really brutal <laughs> well look back when i was younger i had two cats one was called ginger it was black and then the ginger cat was called roger and he looked like garfield just okay not we, 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 we're gonna have to get into this in very okay. deep depth right. we don't have the time to start with and also heather day who was on masterchef she's in south australia and working on an amazing project that we're going to hear all about now this is a pretty exciting moment for me because uh we have recently announced through the archd website the koya website through koya facebook et al all that stuff that we have a brand new coordinator for the cafe office for youth and young adults however one thing that makes this particular coordinator different and my chat with him that i'm about to have is that it's happening on the other side of the world in a different season believe it or not it is summer where this person is this is peter beera he is on the phone from minnesota how you going peter i'm great i'm great you can can hear me fine (laughs) i can just a slight delay (laughs) yeah skype's a lot better than these old long distance phone lines definitely (laughs) much better now, you are going to be taking over the role that Sarah Moffat had here as the um, the coordinator of the Catholic Office for Youth and Young Adults. I, I want to start just by kind of going back to the beginning. When did you realize that youth ministry was something that you wanted to get involved in? Yeah, you know, it's it's a, f- a funny story for me because I 
originally never planned to be in youth ministry, much like I think most people in youth ministry. It was entirely an accident. But I, I grew up in a, a family that was in, uh, very faithful, very uh, faithful Catholic family. Um, my parents were uh, musicians in the in the parish, and uh, we would join them at mass, leading music. And uh, you know, they were part of a, a prayer group and a community of of Catholic Christians that ministered in the in the parish and around the community. And so, ministry was kind of always a part of my life, and I always knew that the church was a part of my life. But really, I guess getting involved in ministry, I, I was in uh, university at the University of Minnesota. I had uh, two years under my belt, and I was burned out. And so I decided I needed to take a, a year off of study. And a friend of mine uh, presented me with the idea of going and joining the National Evangelization Team, the NET team. And on the back of the application that my friend gave me, it said, do you want to go to Australia? And it had the contact details for NET Australia. And so I applied and I, I got in and I spent a year in Adelaide on the on the NET team in Seacombe Gardens at Holy Spirit Parish. Ah, yes. And doing youth ministry. Um in the diocese, you know, running retreats and running uh, youth groups and doing music at masses at Holy Spirit. By the time the year ended, I was hooked. I just, I fell in love with it. And so, when I returned to Minnesota, I tried to volunteer at my home parish. Uh, they were without a youth minister. And the parish priest uh, said, well, I'll one-up you and I'll hire you. And wow. Kind of the rest is history. So that was, you know, 13 years ago. So I've been doing that youth ministry ever since. You've now been working uh, in your parish in Minnesota, now working in youth ministry for quite a long period of time. From what you've seen and the work that you've done with so many young people, I mean, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing youth ministry today in the Catholic Church? Well, you know, I think over the 12, 13 years that I've been doing youth ministry, I've seen a shift in the culture. Um, you know, a big shift definitely with the digital culture and uh, the the effect that uh, social media has had on people, both positive and negative. It's been a way to connect people across uh, different previously unmovable boundaries and but now you know people are friends across the world and and you know across religions and and different kinds of demographics um, but it's also created this uh, sense of isolation you know that that I don't think has existed before in our culture so uh, community connection um, and building relationships I think is a is a major challenge uh, in youth ministry um, and especially uh, building relationships with an institutional church uh, like like ours, I think that it, like any institution, we have baggage and we've got you know things that that aren't always the prettiest to look at on the outside, but that young people and uh, you know teenagers and young adults are, uh, are are kind of skeptical of you know building relationships and community uh, in such a way that I think is responsible. To our actions in the past, as well as you know, uh, evangelizing and and building up the church for the future. That's beautifully put, and I think that, I guess, from an institutional standpoint and a belief standpoint, that resonates really, really strongly. I'm really fascinated as well by the techniques with which that is implemented. You know, because we always are talking about ways of reengaging people with the church and remaining relevant and and all of those particular kinds, but it's the way in which that is done. I think that really does 
put the runs on the board, to use an Australian term. Uh, and <laughs> I'm very interested in the work that you've done because what many people who don't know of you and not many people here do yet, but we'll get to know you very soon, I'm sure, is that you, you're not just working in youth ministry, but you've also done a lot of academic work and actually gotten a master's degree. And the, the topic of your thesis, because of course this has to happen when you do a master's, was technical ways of engaging young people more into church ministry life. Well, the idea originally started uh, with kind of my own experience. As a teenager, uh, the way I got involved in my faith was through music ministry ministry. Um, so, I mentioned that my, my parents were music ministers. My dad was my high school band director. And my friends and I said, you know, we want to start a band. And uh, my dad said, okay, you can use the band room as your rehearsal space as long as uh, you guys are the musicians for mass at, uh, at school liturgies and, and at, uh, at your home parish. And, and so, my dad got us involved in uh, in our faith in a, in a really exciting way for us that in, involved our passions and interests and allowed us to use our gifts uh, for the community immediately. And so we were being uh, apprenticed into it as well as being given the opportunity to, to do it uh, on a weekly basis. And so then uh, that idea kind of stuck with me and uh, uh, we confirm in our diocese here in Minnesota uh, in 10th grade, and there's uh, typically an exodus of uh, young people from the church after confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> They've fulfilled all their quote-unquote requirements. Um, and, and so, I was asking one young woman once, uh, what, what would have to happen uh, in order for her to stay involved? Because she had said that she wasn't planning on on being a part of a youth group or, or anything with the parish. Uh, so, I, uh, I asked her, you know, what would you be involved in? And she said, well, I'm interested in becoming a pastry chef. I'm going to go st uh, study uh, you know, culinary arts after I graduate. I said, well, what if we had a cooking group? Would you be a part of that? And, uh, and she said, yeah, of course. That, would, that sounds really good. So, I went about uh, creating a, a, a small, uh, small group, short term uh, a series of, of cooking and and faith formation uh, sessions that we called Emmaus Kitchen where they would break <laughs> open the word and and eat together and and you know learn to cook together and one of the sessions I think it was around the the, the feast of the Epiphany and so uh, we brought in a, a professional chef to teach the group how to make um, stir fry and he taught them knife safety and and uh, you know how to chop up vegetables and sear the meat and add all the right spices we chose um, stir fry because the magi came from the east right and right. Uh, and so then they <laughs> and so then we studied you know the story of the the uh, the epiphany and all the uh, the cultural traditions around the epiphany while we ate and we had these really great conversations around you know what does this feast mean to us and and what does it mean for us today um, and so then uh, that was at a parish that I was working at previously so when I began at the um, the church that I'm at right now uh, I recognized that uh, immediately that this kind of thing would work but on a larger scale so I went about creating a program uh, that uh, allows young people to gather together uh, in groups based on a common interest. So, not just cooking, but things like basketball uh, or you know, nature or uh, underwater basket weaving. It could be anything. Um, 
you know, whatever it Underwater is. Underwater basketball it always gets such a bad rap, doesn't it? It's I, always I, like this. I think I want to try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, as long as there's somebody who's there who, uh, an adult, you know, or, or somebody who's an expert or an enthusiast, somebody who's passionate about sharing their gifts, who can teach the rest of the group, uh, we've, I've created this program where um, faith formation can happen naturally in that context because young people are gathering together around something that's interesting to them, and then we make those connections to faith. Well, that's fantastic. Well, everyone's looking forward to meeting you, Peter. And uh, for those of you who've just joined us, we've been chatting with Peter Beerer. He is the new coordinator for the Catholic Office for Youth and Young Adults in the Archdiocese of Adelaide, currently on Skype from Minnesota, where he lives, but will be joining us soon. Thank you so much, Peter. It's been great having you on HD. Thanks for having me. Denisha Stavropoulos. Yes. How did I do that time? Dude, that Rad. was really good. I Rad. was really impressed. All over it. Seriously, I'm all over <laughs> it. We've got to talk a little bit about pets. Yes. And difficult pets, really, yeah. more than anything. And we were talking a little bit off air about your relationship with your cats. There was Roger. Yep. And Ginger. Yep. Okay. And Ginger hated me. Ginger hated you. How was your relationship with Roger? We we loved each other. Mm. He was the really nice cat. And then Ginger was just like evil cat. It just hated me. Hey, evil? Yes. It, That's strong language. Look, it really hated me with a passion. Like, it just did not like me at all. And I just didn't know why. I just wanted the cat's love, you know? Okay, so how did this all start? Was this when Ginger was a kitten as well? I was really young when we first got the cats, but I feel like I was really nice to them because, I mean, like, Roger liked me. But then as I started going, like, getting older, the Ginger just hated me. She would always, like, scratch me or, like, you know how, like, cats hiss she would just every yeah. time she would just hiss and i'd be like whoa like come on back up really yeah hissing continuously and then i'd like come home from school and she would never go into my room unless she wanted to scare me and so i would come home from school and she'd be hiding <laughs> under my bed and she'd just come out and attack my ankles and i'd be like whoa screaming like oh my god the cat is here and my parents be like what are you talking about? The cat would never do something like that. Mum loved Because you are talking about a premeditated yes. desire going, Denisha's so coming home. I am going to get her. I'm telling you, she clearly had it planned out when she was coming to attack. She had it planned and everything. And she just didn't like me and she hated me constantly. She would hate me. She'd scratch, she'd meow and just like hiss and just hate me. But you kept forgiving, Ginger. Yeah, I you just kept going back saying, I want your love. I just, I love cats. I lo like, I love dogs, but I love cats. And right. I just wanted her love. <laughs> it's part of it because of this unrequited love experience. Just, it was just a love hate relationship we had going. You go and hug every cat you can and yes. go, oh, at least this. <laughs> This one loves me. <laughs> I love, love cat. Every other cat liked me except for her. So clearly it was just a cat. It wasn't me. Okay. So look, the reason this topic came up is because we were thinking, you know, maybe you could have been doing different things to ingratiate yourself with Ginger. Yeah. Uh, maybe things in terms of things you could have fed the cat. Or, I mean, what sort of what sort of things did you feed Ginger? Well, I never fed that cat because I knew that she was going to try to kill me somehow. So I left it to mum and I'd, you know, but like we always fed the cats the same thing. Like their food, cat food, was it, is it whiskers? It was like whiskers, cat I believe food. it is whiskers, yes. Yeah. So like, and then like the little like treats and then if we had like any like chicken or stuff left over, we'd do that. Then we'd always get like the lactose free milk because cats are lactose intolerant and like you can't give them. Is that, that. true? Yeah. 
I never knew this. As if, yeah. So you, we, my grandpa, what? you can't give them since when? Always. No. Yes. Cats have been drinking milk out of saucers since before. Yeah, but time. they always like get like stomach aches and stuff like that, and that's why I've learnt that. Yeah. That's something new that you've now learnt. I, I'm my yeah. mind is blown. Yeah. My forever internal image of yeah. cats drinking milk of a saucer. Exactly. Is That's, going. I was devastated. I was devastated because I always fed my cats milk until I was like, "Why are you always sick, man? Like, what's going on?" That's mental. Then I so they're drinking out. that milk, but if cats could talk, they'd be going. Don't give it to me. How about some so good? Yeah, like why are you giving it to me now? You know. Yeah. So now Whiskers, I've actually like given out like a lactose-free milk, and so maybe that's why she hated me. Maybe I was giving her the wrong milk. That could be. So you were giving her the lactose-free milk, or you weren't? I started off not. Then I found out that there was something wrong. So then oh. we started giving. Yeah. So maybe that's why she just had. She just didn't like me, and she just never changed from then. Maybe. Maybe that's why. We I should see. Get a cat whisper out. You've- <laughs> Figure that one out. <laughs> what we should You've do. obviously given this like monstrous amounts of thought. I did. I have. Yeah. I have. Now the reason we're talking about this, Denisha, is because you found this news article about I a did. pet with a very yeah. weird habit. Yes, I did. So this alleg is it an alligator? It is. It's an alligator in Minnesota. Okay. Oh, where Peter's from? Yes. <laughs> yes, that one likes to eat pizza. Right. So. It's pizza. Pizza. Okay. His man, this man is a old firefighter. He's retired. Uh-huh. And it's a 13 foot male named Gwendolyn. We figured God, out that name. 13 foot. What's that? That's like. Huge. That's like four meters. That's huge. That's enormous. Yeah. That's gigantic. That is a pizza killing machine. That is. But it, you know, it scoffs at pizza and apparently he's been feeding it pizza for 47 years. 47 years. He's had this this alligator with him for 47 years and like wow judges and everything have always tried to take it away from him, but he refuses because you know why would you give up an alligator that eats pizza <laughs> like come on because <laughs> it you think you think ginger getting towing with you when she's in a bad mood is bad if <laughs> come on if the alligator gets in a bad mood with you one day you like you'd be lucky to leave with all your limbs intact you know just give it some pizza there you go. Throw it a pizza. It's too sluggish to move. Yeah, it's, it's like just oh, sitting on the couch oh, watching TV. Throw it, and it's not just one piece. You just throw the whole pizza. Box and all, Boom. probably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what the issue was. And through the magic of radio, I have managed to scream from the studio all the way to the central market in the space of one song, which is pretty impressive. And I'm here for a very special occasion. I'm here to speak to Heather Day, who many would recognise from the recent series of MasterChef. How are you going, Heather? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Well, firstly, congratulations on the show. Epic, epic show. This season, to ask how do you feel about the whole experience is probably a bit nuts, but was there one particular moment that really stands out to you that that you will always remember from the show? Definitely Nigella, but I have to say as an overall experience, it has changed my life. It's not only made me a better person, I think through the challenge and being so focused throughout the whole series, but it's just, um, you know, allowed me to be more confident and believe in myself. And, and that's probably um, what's given me, you know, more and more reason to go out and do what I really want to do. Now, you have come out of this whole MasterChef experience with a, a new business idea in mind. Can you tell us a little bit about Hey Day Butter, which is a really clever take on words, your name being Heather Day. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm using some amazing cream from uh, my Ponga, which is Flurio Milk Company, and that cream has no gelatin or preservatives, and the cows are grass-fed. So it's basically cream the way it should taste, and that provides just the best butter that which I'm churning. And I'm also um, using a live cultured yogurt as well. So it's a beautiful taste. Um, and then I guess through MasterChef, I've got the chance to experiment with flavors, and I can tell you now that through the Adelaide Central Markets, um, some of the flavors I'm doing that are popular are the miso butter and also the cinnamon and currant butter so it's just been amazing just because everyone has butter but no one really thinks that they you know love butter or don't love butter but today um, and the last three days I've really found out that that people do love butter. I think that uh, something that's come up a lot lately is people are talking a lot more about the ethical ideas behind dairy foods and things like that. It's really come to public's attention. But something that isn't really talked about in relation to that is there's obviously a real taste difference that uh, occurs with that as well. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's why I culture the yogurt, uh, use live cultured yogurt to culture the, the cream because that does provide a real tangy, fresh flavour. And the live cultured yogurt actually brings out the butteriness of the butter, believe it or not. Um, and it's just delicious. So why after all that you've done and I did see I did a little bit of re-watching last night and I saw that great Nigella mm-hmm. um, episode where you did that one challenge that was her favourite. I mean just stopping on that moment just for a second there's a, there was a great shot when she walked in for the very first time. Yes. Your reaction was obviously captured because it was quite strong. She was someone that was a big inspiration to you? huge inspiration because she's the epitome of a home cook and to me that is what I am so you know there's all fancy things being cooked on MasterChef and that's great I can do that too but I'm a home cook and I think one of the fundamentals of cooking is learning how to make things from scratch and learning how to make butter from scratch is just exciting every time I get excited. Is this something that you've done for a while because it does seem like an interesting choice to go into making butter what was it did you see a place in the market for this or was it something that you went I just love butter so much. I have always been butter obsessed. I was lactose intolerant as a child. I actually grew out of that. And so dairy became my favorite food group because I had never tasted butter um, before. So I was always, you know, sprinkling salt on my butter. And I just always have been obsessed with butter. So it just... I gave myself time after MasterChef and I've just been able to reflect and find what it is that I love and what I love doing. And it's butter. Now, in the lead up to the whole... Um, MasterChef experience and through the whole thing there was sort of a lot of articles that sort of popped up that um, you did have a dream very early on of being a chef but there was a quite a few challenges that actually happened to you in your teenage years yeah. Is, would it be okay to ask you about that? Yeah, absolutely absolutely. I did have to learn to walk again I was in a wheelchair um, for over um, six weeks and had really bad leg injuries from a car accident that I was in so I basically could not ha- work as a chef I couldn't work on my feet, I had to learn to walk again in fact so it's been a huge process to go back to that time and and think about what I wanted to do when I was younger it was be a chef and now I guess being older I've evolved and my goals have changed and who I am has changed as well I've certainly gone into the restaurants and done some work I've been in kitchens for the last year but for me it's um, given me time to really think about who I am and what I do and I feel like I was born to put this business together with my combined sales marketing and love of food so it's worked really well that's fantastic. Well, we're going to be chatting a little bit more to Heather in just a second. I also want to play a game that popped up quite a lot on Tuesday night all over the internet. I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know. Is it Guess My Mystery Box? No, no. This was something else. I'm going to show it to you in just a second. Nigella Lawson. The winner is Heather. 
This is Heather Day. You're listening to ArchD Radio on Life FM. We've just been having a bit of a look off air. Heather and I, we're here with Heather from MasterChef fame and Heyday Butter fame here at the Adelaide Central Market, showing her the game which she has not seen up until now, which was the thing circulating all around uh, the internet uh, on the night of the MasterChef final, which was, of course, BuzzFeed MasterChef finale bingo, <laughs> which uh, a whole bunch of people that I knew on socials we were doing at the same time. We kept updating each other. Wait, we've got another box ticked off. Hopefully we can work on this together, Heather, yeah. and see which one were done and which ones weren't in case I missed anything. Boom, boom, shake the room. Did they get a tick? Yeah, they got a tick. Who did? Who said that one? I missed that one completely. I'm getting, uh, George always says it <laughs> and we always copy him. Okay, so they obviously found its way in at some point. I was waiting for it. Number two, blast chiller was used. Absolutely, always is. Yep. Uh, Gary probably said smashing about 10 times, I'd say. <laughs> Me on a plate. That one actually didn't happen during the course of the finale. Happened somewhere, a lot of other places, but not there. Uh, Definitely someone cries. It was very, very emotional. I don't think we got the first two minutes in before someone cried. Uh, The MasterChef journey was mentioned. Someone has to mention MasterChef journey. And... Uh, the backstory was played, which is another one as well. That all that all happened very, very early on. Definitely. Uh, dome moulds, I think they were used in almost every episode. <laughs> Definitely the finale as well. Uh, well, Heston was there, so dome moulds yeah. would have had to have been used in about six or seven different elements. Uh, the garden was in play. That was said with a lot of gusto by Matt, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And liquid nitrogen is used because it's Heston. Come on. Yeah, absolutely has to be. George, I don't think, ever stops bouncing on his feet. So George bouncing on his feet was definitely there. Because he's so short. And um, I actually thought they were going to get all the way through the entire episode without mentioning Matt's food truck, but it did happen at the very end. Well, he's actually no longer doing the food truck. He's doing something much more exciting, which you should check out on his Instagram. Okay, well, definitely check that out. Beetroot was used in a dish, but fennel was not. Yes, that's disappointing, isn't it? Because we love fennel, and I'm sure there's been a surge in sales around here at the Adelaide Central Markets (laughs) because of it. I've actually already been given a fennel. I think day one, someone came over and gave me a fennel. (laughs) Fantastic. It was good fun to play on the night. Every time one got ticked off, it was great fun indeed. What were your thoughts about the finale? Because you would have seen so many of these finales in previous years. I I mean, I'm assuming that you must have been a fan of the show. Absolutely. I've been watching it for the last seven seasons, so I never expected to be on MasterChef. I don't think when I auditioned, I ever thought I'd get an interview call, but um, it happens. I definitely recommend anyone who is thinking about applying Drop me a line on Facebook. Happy to have a chat with you and help you out with any questions you have. Well, we'll put a link to your um, Facebook page up there on our Facebook page too, HD Radio. Um, How does it compare, though, the actual being there in person? Does it give an accurate representation of actually, well, when you're on that top balcony at the end, looking down on the whole thing as it's happening, does it give an accurate representation of what it's like watching it on TV? It is electric. The atmosphere is just insane. And just being, you know, seeing the judges in person, um, it's just from the first time we met them, it's just been, you know, they are the show. And, you know, we have been a part of it and we've just loved every minute of it. And I think the friendships that we formed and the environment, the professionalism of the whole crew, uh, it's the best show in Australia. So um, it was great to be a part of it. 
Yeah, well, I'm a bit of a fan, i got to admit, definitely. So, um, in regards to the stuff that you're working on at the moment, I know that you're doing a kind of a Kickstarter campaign to get your Heyday Butter venture up to a commercial uh, sort of funding standard. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's actually called Possible, which is a crowdfunding website that I um, have used. A lot of my friends have used it and had success. So, what I'm doing is um, I'm basically scaling my business to be, you know, making commercial batches of butter, which is very different to making butter in your own kitchen at home home and I guess the response I've had here at the Adelaide Central Market is I am selling out so I need to make a lot more um, butter and you know that does take time because I, I put a lot of love into it and it's cultured as well so that does take time it's not just churning cream um, and that's really important for me to be able to successfully build this business and execute um, the business strategy um, the way I'd like to so the crowdfunding campaign I think it's already up to $1,600 um, day three so seeing a lot of support which is great. That's cool and you are here here at the central market until the 6th of August and from there you are going to be going to some other market spaces around the Adelaide CBD as well is that right? That's right so I'll be at the market shed on Holland every Sunday and then when Plant 4 Bowden uh, opens which is a new Renew SA project uh, an amazing um, market undercover market that will be um, early September that that's opening on Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's fantastic well Good luck. I hope it all goes brilliantly and I'm hopefully going to get a chance to taste some of this butter in about a second. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take you through the whole range. Fantastic. Uh, Heather Day, thank you so much for being on HD. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to HD on Live. James here with you. What a fantastic show we've had. Uh, great interviews with Peter Beerer and Heather Day from MasterChef. Thanks also to, to Denisha for co-hosting. Fantastic. You can check out all of the stuff that we've talked about tonight on our Facebook page and our Instagram. We've also got a link up there for the MasterChef bingo that uh, I played with Heather a little earlier on. We are here every Wednesday night from 9, every Saturday night from 10. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, jump on to iTunes tunes or soundcloud and subscribe so you can get it delivered every week hd is a production of the catholic office for youth and young adults we'll see you in a few days bye